Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Family Sanctuary, a show that inspires living the gospel message in word and deed within our families. And now, Family Sanctuary with host Peggy Hartshorn. Welcome to the Family Sanctuary. I'm your host for today, Peggy Hartshorn, Chairman of the Board of Heartbeat International that advances life-affirming pregnancy help around the world. And I'm particularly happy to be with you today because we have a a wonderful guest that you've probably heard in the past on the program, Dr. Perry Cahal. Welcome, Perry. Thank you, Peggy. (laughs) Great to have you on the program again. And uh, hopefully you've heard some of the other programs that we've had with Dr. Cahal. He is truly a, a wonderful guest and speaker that really has helped us, I believe, helped me certainly to focus more on on marriage. And as we've talked about with the Family Sanctuary, of course, on our program, the, the sanctuary of life that God intended the family to be, of course, the couple relationship is key to that. And and marriage is 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 such a wonderful vocation, as we've talked about in the past, yet it's hard. It's difficult. <laughs> we we need all the help we can get to live out that call on our lives. So um, hopefully, uh, if you're interested in how can we make that stronger, how can we make that marriage stronger? And it may be your own marriage, the marriage of your children, your grandchildren, the marriages around you. There's always help and hope for that wonderful vocation. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be focusing on what Dr. Perry calls the four habits for stronger marriage. So um, so Dr. Cahal is a professor of historical theology and the academic dean of the School of Theology at the Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus. And for the past 13 years, he's taught a course on marriage to the seminarians in their final year of studies, and also taught courses at Ohio Dominican University and the Liturgical Institute of the University of St. Mary of the Lake in Mundelein, Illinois. And he delivers talks on marriage, too, and um, and Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body, including talks to engaged couples in the pre-Cana program for the Diocese of Columbus and couples who are learning natural family planning. He's published various articles and books, and uh, he's really... He's he, he's such an expert on this from a theological perspective, but he lives it out as well. You're 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 the real thing, Doctor. At least I try. <laughs> well, we know you've been married for seventeen years and you have two children. So, uh, so what is theological and theoretical uh, is also real in your marriage. I'm sure. We try to make it so. Yes. At least we try, and my husband and I try too. And I'm so. sure you and your husband have much you can teach us. You've been in the marriage <laughs> business longer than my wife and I have. That's true. This is our 49th year. Would you believe we've been married 49 years? Wow. Where great. does the time go? But but <sighs> it always it's a beautiful vocation, but it does demand work. That's and true. Thinking about how can we do it better? So human nature being what it is, right? Yes. <laughs> but God's grace is is what it is also. So that's the beauty of it. Well, Dr. Cahal, um, tell us what you mean by these four habits. What are what are the four habits? And let, then let's let's dive in sure. and talk more. I think um, these four habits they kind of, in my mind, form the structure of a of a holistic spiritual approach to marriage and marriage mm-hmm. spirituality. Um, I, this isn't in any way trying to be exhaustive about you know uh, a married spirituality or all the necessary habits that are that it takes to have a healthy marriage. 
But I think these might be four that sometimes people overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, the first habit would be reverence, right? Um, the second habit would be sacrifice. The third habit would be how to deal with suffering in marriage. And the fourth habit would be repairing, okay. how to repair a marriage. Um, let's just two dive. R's and two S's. That's I right. like that. If I want to try to memorize it. That's right. Two R's and two S's. <laughs> reverence, sacrifice, suffering, and, and repairing. Repair. Yes. Okay. So let's let's just kind of walk through them a bit. Um, okay. Reverence. Um, in his Theology of the Body, John Paul II says that reverence is the foundation for married spirituality. Uh, what he means by that is reverence is the sense of awe and wonder that we have in the face of God and in, in the face of God's creation. And John Paul II is saying that, you know, for a healthy marriage, for a healthy married spirituality, we need to have a sense of reverence for our spouse you know, mm-hmm. and for the relationship that we have with our spouse. So a constant sense of thankfulness, gratitude, awe and wonder at the gift of my spouse, the gift of the love that we share, the gift of married life that God has given us, the gift of our children. To have that healthy sense of reverence is part of, in, in fostering that as a habit, I think that couples need to, to have and to foster if they're going to have a good relationship with each other. Um, it's, it's kind of the opposite of taking it for granted. It's, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, which, you know, concretely, what does that mean? I mean, it means always trying to treat each other with respect, never trying to purposefully hurt each other, you know, never bad mouthing each other. You know, if, if you reverence your spouse, never letting other people talk bad about them in your presence, mm-hmm. you know, um, make, putting forth their, uh, their best face, right. Putting, complimenting them, mm-hmm. um, communicating well with your spouse, mm-hmm. you know, is, is a form of reverence, never kind of giving short shrift to their feelings, their perspective, their emotions, but, but always respecting, and taking into account their perspective on things. All of that, I think, is our practical ways to reverence each other in the midst of our marriages. And it's not always easy. Well, you know, we hear the opposite all the time, don't we? I mean, oh, sure. not only in our own households, and I certainly am guilty of that, of sometimes having a, a flippant remark or saying something that belittles the other person. Um, it's, gosh, when I think of how often... I hear that uh, from other couples, and and I'm guilty of it m- myself. And in our own marriage, it's it seems to be that's more of the normal thing you hear. People, I guess that the word you would use is being irreverent toward yes. each other, to belittle the other person, to say something that puts them down, or dismissive of of what yes. they've said. Uh, giving a response to something that they, oh, why, that's a crazy thing to say. Or why would you think that? Yes. Or, uh, you know, I can't believe you said that. Or what's the matter with you? Yeah. yeah. The, these are such common back and forth things that we hear. <laughs> and I say that I'm guilty of that, that we hear in our own household, at households and hear from other people. Gosh, it just seems to be normal yes. as you're as you're presenting it, that couples are not reverent toward each right. other. And I think especially for young couples, and if you're to take, you know, what you see on television as reflecting the culture, um, young couples tend to talk about each other behind their backs to their friends, you know, um, husbands and wives complaining about each other to their friend group. Um, that's not reverence. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there's something that's aggravating you, troubling you about your relationship, the person you need to talk to is your spouse. Yeah. And it does no good uh, to go complain about your spouse to other people. That's not showing proper reverence. Hmm. All in wonder, you know, at the gift that God has given you yeah. to go through life with. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of the couples that we interviewed on the program earlier. 
uh, Stephen Linda Smith, who who work with Retrovi here in the diocese. Oh, yes. Wonderful and, ministry. Uh, and yes, absolutely. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's the ministry for couples who have really had difficulties in their yes. marriage, sometimes even separation or divorce. Right. And yet they're called back together and come to the Retrovi weekend and are really working on reestablishing that trust for each other. And and um, and one of Linda uh, has on her cell phone instead of her husband's name, you know, to to click on to to send him a message. She either has my precious or my dear. Oh, wow. I've forgotten exactly what what the term is, but every time she looks at her cell phone, that's what she sees. You know, when she's texting him, or you know. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful thing! And it's that an example beautiful. of of what you're talking about. Yeah, I would see for her that's a constant, you know, a concrete reminder of her need to reverence her husband. Yeah, I mean, what a, wow. that's a great thing to do. Uh huh. Because uh, you know, because. Lack of reverence seems to be so common in households. And of course, lack of reverence of children for parents. When you hear those kinds of conversations going on, we're just, we're just not in a very reverent culture anymore, are we? we? And if, and if spouses aren't reverencing each other, they can't expect their children to show reverence to them. Their their children will, will behave in the way that they see modeled, Mm -hmm. you know, by their, by their parents. That is so true. So, oh my goodness! When I think how basic that is, and how lacking it is right. in most of our households today, what a what a reminder! <laughs> right. I think you know what John Paul II was talking about in terms of reverence as a foundation for married spirituality. My grandfather probably would have just said, "Respect each other." Respect each other. Right. right. I mean, respect that. Be if respectful. You, yes, and if you're disrespecting each other, it's going to be caustic. It'll mm-hmm. tear your relationship down. Mm-hmm. So. And there are plenty of, of other examples we could probably throw out about how to re- reverence each other. But I think hopefully this gives people somewhat of an idea of what that, why it's so foundational to a healthy sure. relationship. Sure. In case someone just joined the program, say again some of the, some of the <clears throat> things that are lack of reverence for the other person. Oh, I because think, your original sure. list was <clears throat> just, it was a wow. Oh my goodness, how common this is. Yeah, it, talking, talking about each other behind each other's back, you know, um, to friends, to or, friends, mm-hmm. to family members complaining. You um, won't believe what he did. You yes. wouldn't believe what he said. Being dismissive of each other's feelings or thoughts or perspective. Well, I can't believe that you would think that, or why are you feeling that way? Instead of taking the time to understand that the person has a right to their feelings and it helps them to feel affirmed and, and worthwhile and revered. If you just take the time to understand why they're feeling what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple of examples. Yeah. But also, which could be an entirely different segment, reverencing each other in the marriage bed, mm-hmm. you know, which is a, a severe problem in our culture um, that people actually that spouses feel actually welcomed and loved and like they're being feel like feel like they're being treated tenderly, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being used. Right. Um, wow. And that's a whole different topic. Absolutely. But uh, so, so important in reverencing the spouse. I was thinking as you're talking about reverence, uh, we usually use that word, I think, more in in terms of reverencing God. Yes. We we reverence God and, and there's a sense of reverence. And so when we think about uh, how we, how we are, let's say in church, you need to be reverent in church. Right. right. What does that mean? You're you're listening. You're, you're being attentive. You're, you're being, being attentive. Present. You're being present. You're certainly not saying anything negative about God Correct. <laughs> or to God. Uh, although I should say we don't want to say that we can't 
be really honest with how we're feeling when we're praying to God, of course. Certainly. And I think that's also part of reverence. You you bring how you are to the table at that moment and you express it respectfully. Right. right? And you should expect to, that to be received respectfully yes. as well. God listens to our feelings even when they're negative feelings, so to, so to speak. Um, so it's possible there. to mm-hmm. show reverence even with when you're expressing something negative or yeah. hard to talk about. Yeah, that, right. that's, that's a that's fascinating thought. And so I see why with these four habits you start with reverence. The four habits we're talking about are reverence, sacrifice, suffering, and repairing. That if we don't really have reverence at the base – then these other habits are going to be a lot more difficult. That's correct. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> well, let's talk a little bit more then. Uh, let's talk about the second. Sure. About characteristic- sacrifice. Yes. Sacrifice. If it is, you know, if you, you reverence someone, then you're willing to sacrifice for them. You know, mm-hmm. if you experience awe and wonder in the face of God and God's creation, you're willing to sacrifice for the good of that you see before you. So that, and that's um, the essence of sacrifice is, Offering something precious, you know, out of love to show reverence and devotion. That's what we do when we sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, so why is that necessary to, for couples? Well, I think, you know, initially in a relationship, um, couples show love for each other by giving gifts. That's rather easy, mm-hmm. you know, but as a relationship proceeds, um, that's not enough to be quite honest. Not enough to bring flowers. No. And how do, how do we know that somebody really loves us? We know that they love us because they're willing to give until it hurts. You know, they're willing to give of themselves. So, um, I think it was Benedict, Benedict the 16th in his, um, his encyclical days, Caritas has said that the measure of love is sacrifice. Hmm. And we see that when we look at the cross where we, here we have, you know, the heavenly bridegroom who comes to give himself, pour himself out completely for his bride, holding nothing back. That's love. The wow. measure of love is sacrifice. And we know intuitively that, um, that, that that's true, that the measure of love is sacrifice. I mean, even when as a child, for instance, how do we know that our parents love us? <clears throat> I think it's because, you know, um, children know their parents love them because intuitively they see their, their parents sacrificing for them in different ways. But I think fundamentally, when parents spend time with their children, right, they know that their parents love them because they're giving them something they can never get back, which is their time. Hmm. You know, I, I was reading a, a parenting uh, book at one point, which said that, you know, uh, children spell love, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, mm-hmm. presence, right? Which is true. That's th- Our time is something we can never get back, right? It's the most precious thing we have. Mm-hmm. And when you're giving of it freely and you're being attentive and present to somebody, you're sacrificing that and they know it. Right? I, I'm thinking of little kids, how they'll always be hanging around their parents' legs and yes. grabbing and mommy, mommy, daddy, yes. daddy. And and the parents are, are trying to do something else. Could be on the telephone, could be uh, cooking over a hot pot. Let's say it's serious what they're doing, right. but the child will keep after them. And the, the parent, a loving parent, usually will say, just a minute, just a right. minute. That's I'll right. be with you in a minute. Uh, so they're, they're, uh, they're wanting that attention. They're wanting that yes. uh, presence. And then as they get it, as you're saying, they realize the parent is giving them something very precious. Yes. Yeah, their time, their and attention. I think, I think in our culture, we kind of sh- shy away from sacrifice. We think it's a, a, an ugly thing, right? Um, but sacrifice understood properly, it's not about desolation and emptiness. 
know, it's about pouring myself out in love. And, and by pouring myself out, I experience joy. Mm-hmm. You know, when I can overcome my own selfishness and be present to another and sacrifice for another, give them something precious to show them my love and devotion, to, re- to truly revere them, it leads to joy in myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there are myriads of ways every day, I think, that, that married couples can sacrifice for each other. You know, the random act of ki- and acts of kindness around the house, you know, um, doing something to help out, you know, ha- uh, taking an extra burden on yourself so your spouse can get some more rest, you know, simply um, biting your tongue when you want to say something that you know would be hurtful. <laughs> is, you know, you're, it's there, these myriads of little sacrifices to show love, you know, mm-hmm. for, for your spouse. And um, l- let me say this too, because um, I don't want to let this go by. You know, where do we ultimately really learn to sacrifice? Well, if we take Benedict the Sixteenth's comment about, you know, the measure of love being sacrifice, we see that on the cross. We're empowered to sacrifice when we, we receive the ultimate sacrifice of the Mass. You know, mm-hmm. that receiving Christ's love and that self-oblation, pouring himself out so that we can receive him into our very selves, we're then empowered to love our spouses with that same sacrif- self-sacrificial love. Right. If we don't have love God's love poured into us. If we aren't filled with it, we don't have it to pour out. Right. Yeah. So uh, if you just joined the program, I want to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Perry Cahal, who is the professor of historical theology and the academic dean of the School of Theology at the Pontifical College, Josephine in Columbus. And he he is really an expert on Pope John Paul II's theology of the body, but also on um, on marriage. And he's delivered talks on uh, to couples in the Precana program for the diocese, as well as uh, those learning natural family planning. He's spoken to Worldwide Marriage Encounter, so um, and living it out in his own marriage of 17 years. So <laughs> we're talking about today the uh, what Dr. Cahal calls the four habits for stronger marriage, reverence, sacrifice, suffering, and repairing. And we've talked about reverence and sacrifice, two terms that actually we do think of more in terms of our relationship with God and God's right. relationship to us than we sometimes do in terms of marriage. So it's it's wonderful to think about these uh, these habits in in the real world of our own couple relationship. Um, so reverence and sacrifice, really holding the other person precious in, in reverence and treasuring the other person rather than kind of demeaning them, cutting them down, ignoring them as unfortunately can be habits for all of us in marriage. Um, sacrifice, giving of self, um, and and. And and again, as you said, Doctor Cahal, it's not it it's it's doesn't have to be something so dramatic as the right. sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Just giving our time, right. being present right. to the other person, in, instead of continuing to watch something on TV or having our nose in a book or right. being so concerned with the job that we're doing, whatever that is, that we're ignoring or, or not responding to our spouse, and then suffering and repairing. So talk about sure. suffering a little bit here. I think suffering, um, in order to have a healthy marriage, the couples have to have an understanding that suffering is unavoidable. We live in a fallen world and suffering will come, right? And it's not necessarily that you're practicing suffering as a habit, but what you're practicing is how to handle suffering when it comes, right? And suffering will come from without, you know, uh, health tragedies, financial difficulties, those types of things. 
Um, but every couple will experience suffering because you have two sinners who are marrying each other to form a joint life together. Right. And then we have children who are sinners right. into the into the mix. <laughs> and, and sadly, that means that the couple themselves will cause each other suffering. Now, mm-hmm. um, I think it's, that's important to realize because many couples, after the honeymoon period is over, you know, and the warm, fuzzy feelings evaporate, and they start to experience difficulties, they think, well, you know, if I just married the right person, I wouldn't be having these problems. I'd still be having the warm, fuzzy feelings. No, no. You're having these problems because you're human, right? Mm-hmm. And now your relationship is advancing to a different stage, right? Um, I sh- want to share one story and to comment on this. When I get, was engaged to be married, a friend of mine gave me an engagement card. And on the front of it, it had a Renaissance painting of the crucifixion. I opened it up. There was no text in the card. But he'd handwritten, congratulations on your engagement. Welcome to the three rings of marriage. The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffer ring. Wow. <laughs> now, I thought, wow, this is a pretty dark card. You know, this guy has, must have an awful marriage. But what he, I, talking to him afterwards, what he meant to bring to my mind and to call to my attention is, by embracing the vocation to marriage, I had to be prepared to suffer the death to myself so that I could be more present and love my bride. Wow. And that's true. It goes both ways. That's the suffering that every single married couple will have to go through. It's, it's the passion that all of us have to go through. Christ wants to use our marriages to help us overcome our selfishness so that we can be gift to each other and to him. And it hurts, mm-hmm. but it's a good hurt. And right. I think couples need to be aware that they can't avoid that. Yeah. That's part of the deal. So when that suffering comes, walk through it together. Yeah. Right? It's amazing to think, too, that, yes, giving of giving up your selfishness is a suffering. Yes. And yet being selfish doesn't cause you to feel good either. No, it does not. In <laughs> fact, it includes you in on it's yourself. It's worse. It's worse. That's Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Giving of self really brings the joy that you're looking for when you think you're going to get that with self-centeredness That's and correct. it doesn't work that way. I suppose one thing to remember is there is no resurrection without the cross. Mm-hmm. There is no resurrection of married love without the suffering of, right. of overcoming selfishness. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Well, we, we're, we're getting, we're into the program so that I wish we had more time to spend on the suffering, but we need to also focus a little bit on repairing sure. here, the last one. And sure. by the way, let me tell the listeners, we're going to be, uh, hopefully looking at these in a little more deeply in future programs. So, uh, so tell us about repairing. First of all, let me tell you, uh, this idea came from, uh, Father Raniero Cantalamesa, who's the preacher to the papal household, and he's held that position now for three pontificates, John Paul wow. II, Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis. And I saw a, um, a homily that he'd given several years ago on the art of repairing, right? And his point was married couples need to practice this art of repairing their relationship constantly because, there you have what he called uh, rep- the uh, deferred maintenance or neglect that sets into a marriage when couples aren't revering each other properly. They aren't attentive to each other. But he says most, he said most importantly, um, couples can repair their relationship constantly by being willing to give and receive forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think uh, there are different aspects of repairing we could talk about, but I think that's probably the most important. You know, we, as, as married couples, you know, we cause suffering to our spouses maybe on a daily basis, you know, unkind unkind words, you know, more than once on a daily basis, being irritable. And when we realize that we're guilty of that, being willing to go to our spouse and say, I'm sorry, you know, and if you're the one receiving that plea, 
being willing to say, I love you and I forgive you. Um, and that breathes new life into the relationship. It really does repair it. You know, um, constantly being, trying to, to tend to this deferred maintenance or <laughs> neglect, right? Is I think something that couples need to be aware that that's, that's never going to stop in their married life. And, and the fact that you have to practice this art of repairing is not a bad thing. It shows that you love the other person. You know, Father Cantalamese's point was, um, we live in a throwaway society. You know, we live in a society where things get worn out or worn down and you just get a new one. Mm-hmm. And his point was people have appropriated that mode of behavior to their marriages. Wow. And we can't do that. We have to see that God has given us this person to go through life with, and we need to constantly tend to and repair our relationship. And it's just the opposite of that crazy movie that I think we still still think of. Love means you never have to say you're sorry. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Awful, just the awful opposite. advice, awful advice. Just absolutely the opposite. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how the world's plan and what's presented to couples today yes. is that love just means you're going to be forever in this little cloud of uh, happiness. Right. And love instead, as you've talked about here, it is it means a constant decision to revere the other person for reverence. That means a constant decision to sacrifice your yourself and your selfishness of 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 suffering, and then a, a, a real decision of saying I'm sorry and repairing the relationship. I love the analogy of the deferred maintenance and yeah. how how true that is in our relationship, even on a daily basis. But treasuring and repairing and 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 think of a treasure around your house. You're going to repair it and, and keep it and value it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Perry Cahal, for being our you're guest welcome. today and th- these wonderful thoughts on on the four habits of, of healthy marriage. I hope we can have you again and pursue these in a little more depth. I'd be happy to come back. So you are listening to AM820 St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Peggy Hartshorn, and this is The Family Sanctuary. You can find archives of our program at stgabrielradio.com, and we're streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. Our program is broadcast at 1230 every Monday and 2 o'clock on Sundays. So please join us again to strengthen our families and make them sanctuaries of life as God intended. Family Sanctuary is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Family Sanctuary with Peggy Hartshorn are available at stgabrielradio.com. 